This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. And uh, we had so many kids playing football in Texas that every school had two teams. They had an A team and a B team. And I made the A team. In fact, I was right guard on the offense. That's not only a deodorant, that was also me. I was right guard on the offense. And the third week of the season, Coach Broussard came to me and he said, hey, listen, uh, we're moving you to the B team. And that's not because my name is Byron and it didn't stand for my initial. The B team was the You Suck Pond Water team. And I was moved to the B team because I wasn't that good. And, and so... I remember thinking about, okay, how am I going to go home and tell my football coach dad, hey, I just got, I just got promoted from the A team to the B team. <laughs> I mean, I was wrestling, and it's one of the first times I remember the sting and the taste of disappointment. In life, we face disappointments. In fact, sometimes there are a series of disappointments that we may be living through at the same time. How many of you remember about a year ago? It was the end of 2020. And 2020 was a disappointing year. And we were excited about 2021, only to find out that 2020 had an identical twin. And we went into 2021, and there were more disappointments for many of you. For many of you, it was your, your job. For many of you, it was plans that you had made that got canceled for you. For many of you, it was learning to live in kind of a new world. And, and for a lot of people, I don't know that I've ever in my lifetime seen fear so elevated in so many. It was disappointing. And how do we deal with disappointments as followers of Jesus? Because we've read the promises in the Bible that tell us that God is for us. We read that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. We pop over to Jeremiah 29 and we read about how God has these incredible plans for our future. But sometimes life seems like it collides with the truth of Scripture. And even as followers of Jesus, heirs to the throne, we roll through disappointments. You raised your kids with the foundation of faith. And now they're making choices completely opposite what you taught them and what you hoped they would. You dreamed at one time of what your marriage would be like. You had hopes and you had dreams and you thought about the future and what it would look like and now you're single again. Your prayers have not erased your depression. Your faith has not caused your anxiety to vanish. Some of you, you never thought Christmas could feel so empty because of who's not going to be there. You didn't plan on 2020. You didn't plan on 2021. And you didn't plan on what you're walking through right now. You did not plan it. But what do you do with it? How do you navigate? How do I navigate as followers of Jesus disappointment. It had been 400 years since the people of God had heard from God. 
400 years of silence. And the silence is broken. We, we read in Luke chapter 2, and I want to invite you to stand with me in honor to the reading of God's Word. In the life of C3, we just stand in honor to God's Word because we believe God's Word is infallible, it's inerrant, it is the Word of God, it is the breath of God, it has no mixture of error, it is the foundation of everything we believe about our faith. And now, you may be here and you may be a guest, maybe you're not a Christ follower, maybe somebody invited you, maybe you heard about C3 and you decided to come today, and you might be in a place where you'd say, man, I I don't believe that. Maybe it's true about the Bible, maybe it's not, I'm not sure I believe it. We want you to know you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. And it's probably not surprising to you that we do believe the Bible is the Word of God. And so that's how we approach things in life. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 400 years of silence is broken with, don't be afraid. Isn't it true that sometimes in the quietest moments, fear stands the tallest? Isn't it true that often in the middle of darkness, fear can grip you like no other time? I talk to my dad a couple times a day. He said something that you already know. The nights are the hardest. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And I love this part, my my favorite part, for all the people. I'm so glad that the joy that God offers is not reserved for just some people or just the good people or just the religious people or just the people that vote like you vote and like what you like and cheer for your team. The great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Father, please take your words through your spirit and speak to our hearts and lives. Your message, I pray that it would be buried deep in our souls as our minds process. It would go beyond that into something that you bring alive inside us, your living word. In this season, especially for those walking through disappointment in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I think that's the message that broke the silence because God knew what our greatest need was. If our need had been for better laws, God would have sent a politician. If our need had been for us to know more, God would have sent a teacher. If our need had been for us to understand a little bit better, God would have sent a counselor. But we needed forgiveness, and we needed hope. It's the same need that we have today, so God sent a Savior. When you think about these words, I I was thinking earlier this week, what do you think the most powerful word in the English language is. Like, like if you had to say, okay, this word, this one word, I think, it, I think it carries the most octane. I think it has the most power and the most potential in our lives. What would that word be? Now, before you answer, I, I know you, your first word, we're in church. Okay, it's Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. We're in church. It's Jesus. Yes, it's Jesus. But, but let's, let's 
take that for granted. Okay, Jesus is the most powerful word. Other than that, what is the most powerful word you could ever use? Some would say hope. Some would say forgiveness. Some might say joy. I think joy, especially in this season. And you can make a case for that. They may well be. But I, I want to give you a word that you might not have thought of that I think is at least among the most powerful words we could ever speak. And the word is, the word is with. God did not just come to us. He came to be with us. In fact, his name, Emmanuel, God with us. See, I can be for you from a distance. I can pray for you from a distance. I can wish and hope the best for you from a distance. But there's something about the power of with. When the presence of God in my life, even though I am broken and messed up, I invited Jesus to come into my life. His Holy Spirit invaded my life. Anything good that comes from me, that's just God. The bad stuff, that's me, and he's still working on me, and I'm so glad he hasn't given up on me. But there's something about the presence of God in somebody's life when they're with you, not just for you, but with you. And that is the message of Christmas. And that is the very thing that we tend to forget in disappointment. Because when I'm disappointed, I feel like maybe God has forgotten me. Have you ever felt like because of what you're walking through in life, God has favorites and you're just not one of them? Have you ever noticed how God answers other people's prayers? God gives other people the promotion. Somehow God blesses other people with a bonus. Somehow God answers the prayer of other people for their loved ones. And, and, and you're in a season of, of disappointment where it feels like heaven is just silent. Well, it's been silent before for 400 years, but remember, silence didn't mean the absence of God's work, God working in God's presence. God does his greatest work often in the silence. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. Have you ever wanted a sign from God? God, I'm trying to make this decision. Could you just give me a sign? Should I date her or her? Oh, she's hot or I'm going to date her. That's a sign from God. Have you, you ever done that? God, do we buy this house or that house? Do I take this job? God, if you could just show me, I'm confused. If you could just give me a sign. See, God knows us so well that in the moment he breaks the silence, in the greatest moment in the history of the world, he, he says, this will be a sign to you. Make no mistake. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I don't know about you, but as I look around, I don't see a lot of peace in our world. In this moment in history, it seems very hard to find peace. But we might do well to remember that this moment in history, when the Christ child was born, was a world absent peace. It was a world in deep oppression of a ruthless government. It was a world where people were owned by other people. It was a world where freedom was lacking. It was a world where 
religion pushed a dark agenda instead of a life-giving agenda. It was a world where people were classified as less than, while supposedly holy religious people looked down their noses at what they would call regular people. In the middle of no peace, God offers peace. And for us, 2,000 years later, the issue is not that God has not given peace. The issue is that often we don't unwrap it. We know the Christmas story very well. And I've got to be honest with you. As a pastor, I love Christmas and I love Easter. And part of the reason I love these two times a year, more people will come to church than any other time. In fact, as you're inviting, we're going to give you some more inviters today if you didn't already get them. As you're passing out those inviters each week, more people will say yes and come to our Christmas services than any other time of the year except Easter. It is a huge opportunity. But if you walk in my shoes, here's the deal. The story's the same every year. Like, I have no special ending for you this year that you've never heard before. Like, it's the same every single year. And sometimes, the more we know something, the less we know something. Because sometimes the more we know something, we think we know everything, but there's something we don't know yet. We know this story, Mary and Joseph, perhaps too well. We tend to forget that these are real people with real dreams for life. Joseph was a carpenter. He's he's planning on marrying Mary. And they're betrothed. It's a level of engagement beyond our level of engagement. It's like they're almost married. And they have plans and they have hopes and they have dreams. I wonder how many discussions Joseph and Mary had about what kind of house they wanted to get. Joseph would, of course, build it because he's a carpenter. I wonder if he looked at her and said, Babe, one day, one day we're going to have Two camels in the driveway. It's going to be awesome. And she says, yeah, but you need to to stop running red lights with camels because we're not going to be able to afford a second one if you don't. I I don't know. How how many kids? How many kids do you want to have? What's it going to look like? Man, we want to make sure they're they're in the best schools. They go to the best rabbis. We want to make sure they can go to college. We we want to make sure, uh, even if they go to UCF, they're going to call themselves national champions, but whatever. And and it's going to be okay. But, But they have all these plans and all these hopes and all these dreams. They were real people. Sometimes we can read the Word of God in such a sterile way that we take the human emotion out of the story and we think, well, of course, they just knew how to deal with it. They didn't know how to deal with it any more than you and I would. As life often does, For Mary and Joseph, it takes an unexpected turn. And it's not just a story. It's you and me getting a front row seat to life, not looking at all like two people thought it would. And all of their disappointment, it's because they were just trying to do what God wanted them to do. See, sometimes God allows great plans and big dreams To be interrupted by what seems like the most pointless and painful way. You understand stories change with the turn of a page. And in one unanticipated moment, what our future will look like can change entirely. And some of you are living that. Five years ago, ten years ago, if someone were to ask you to write your future out, What you're living today looks nothing like what you planned. 
there have been some unexpected interruptions. There have been some things that have happened and some disappointments that you've had to process. The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. It's going to be the Son of God. And Mary's response at 14 years old is, may it be done to me according to your word. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we read, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, pledged to be married, and now the same word of God, a few words later, says her husband. Why? Because engagement in that culture meant much more than being engaged in our culture. Being engaged in that culture was so serious and such a level of commitment, the only way you could end the engagement was not to send out a cancellation notice to the wedding. You had to file for divorce. It was different culturally. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had in mind. She responds and says, may it be according to your word. And Joseph has a different plan. Because other people in your circle may be more okay with a change of plans than you are. Joseph is devastated. Joseph is disappointed beyond 2020. The invitations have already been mailed. The wedding is already planned and now it's got to be canceled. And the only thing worse than the public humiliation... In that culture, in that day, 14 years old, pregnant, not married. The the only thing worse than the public humiliation is the personal betrayal that Joseph must have felt. Again, these are real people. This isn't just a Bible story. So Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, Joe, I'm pregnant, and the Father's God. Guys, how, how would you're dating a girl who comes to you. I'm pregnant, and the Father's God. Do you believe that? No, you, you think she's lost her freaking mind. But if you care about her, if you love her, it, it, what, what I admire about Joseph in the midst of deep pain and what he had to assume was ultimate betrayal. He doesn't want to harm or hurt her, which speaks to the level of love he has for her. Life is over as he knew it. And he didn't do anything wrong. And Mary didn't do anything wrong. They did everything just right. They're engaged. They've not slept together yet. They're playing it straight. They've done everything right. And now she'll be shamed and viewed as an outcast the rest of her life in that culture. Now he'll be the one they whisper about what happened that time he was engaged and how that went down and how she was unfaithful to him. And they're going to be talked about. And every time they round the corner walking down the street and people are huddled and glance at them, they're going to know they're talking about me. And that's forever. And I wonder if they both had to feel on same level, some, some level the same thing that you and I have felt at times. God, how could you? Where are you? This is not fair. How do we handle that level of disappointment? How do we handle disappointment with God? You're disappointed. You saved up and you made plans to travel. 
You'd put the deposit down, which you eventually got back. You planned to travel, but COVID. You planned to be married by now. It hasn't happened. You hoped your marriage would be better by now. If someone had told you that in December of 2021, you'd still be wrestling and struggling and in the place you're in in your marriage, you would have thought, no way, I, I, I can't take that. You hoped you'd have a baby by now, but there's no baby. Are you facing something that isn't what you had planned? Where is God in your disappointment? I want to give you two handles very quickly, two handles that you can grab onto and hold onto when you're going through disappointing seasons in life as a follower of Jesus. Here's the first one. I can trust God even if I don't understand life. I can trust God even if I don't understand life. We have this insatiable desire to understand and to know why. Hey, friend, you're not going to know why most of the time. You're not going to understand most of the time. And i got to be honest with you. I'm really grateful that my God is so big, I don't understand everything about him. I don't understand everything he allows. I'm so glad that my God is not so small for me to be able to understand everything about him. He's bigger than what I can comprehend. Proverbs has been called the book of wisdom. Chapter 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I can trust God even if I don't understand life because I trust God's purpose. A God that would send his only son to live a perfect life and die a horrific death because of his love for me and then raise him from the dead three days later, a God who would initiate a purpose and a plan that would cause him pain to relieve my pain that I created, I can trust God even if I don't understand life. Matthew chapter 1 says, But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. There it is again. Because when we're disappointed, we're afraid it'll never be like it was. When we're disappointed, we're afraid it'll never be better. When we're disappointed, we're afraid we're stuck here forever. When we're disappointed, we, we see the night and we miss the day. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will, here's the purpose, save his people from their sins. We have such limited vision when it comes to our lives. We understand so little of the big story that God is writing. But I don't have to understand it to trust God and to trust His goodness and to trust that somehow in the midst of all of this, there's a purpose. Let me give you another handle. Sometimes disappointment is an appointment. Sometimes disappointment is an appointment. God is still doing something even in the midst of our greatest disappointments. I was 16 years old, and I was, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was a little thuglet. I've not always been a pastor, you understand? And I was 16 years old, and the first weekend of January, did some really stupid stuff and got in a lot of trouble. I never, I never planned to hurt my dad. 
but I didn't plan not to. I got in trouble and my dad, <laughs> my dad, and he grounded me. I was 16 and there was more than grounded, but we're just going to talk about grounded and keep it PG. But I got in a lot of trouble. And so my dad grounded me. See, I, I grew up with a dad. He didn't believe in timeout. He believed in knockout. And it, it worked. I'm a pastor today. Look, it worked. But <laughs> ultimately, um, that's a different message. But, but I was grounded. And a friend called and said, hey, I'm having a party. I'd love for you to come. And she went to our church, and her family went to our church. And I said, listen, I'm grounded. There's no way my dad's going to budge on this because I knew my dad. And she said, well, just ask anyway. So I went in, not expecting dad to say yes, and he said I could go. Like, I, 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 got, I got, like, out for a day of my prison sentence. I got to go off and have a good day. I had to come back at the end, but I, I, he'd let me go. And he let me go because this girl and her family were part of our church, and he knew them very well. And, and so... I went to that party, and as I rang the doorbell, now I didn't know this. Some of you know this story. Melissa, who invited me, turned to Angie, who was there, and said, he doesn't know he's coming to go on a blind date with you. He thinks he's coming to a party. And the courage she had to not run out the back door. I, I, I don't, and so as she opens the front door, she looks at me and says, oh, there's not really a party. Uh, Angie's here, and you and her are going to go out with me and Derek for the night. It's actually a blind date. Now, inside, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I, I was blown away. But, but listen, I, I got to tell you, I never planned to go on a date that night. And something I never planned turned into what is now a 32-and-a-half-year-long marriage. Something I never planned with four incredible kids and amazing grandkids and another one on the way. And God is doing, not kids, not, not kids, grandkids, another grandkid on the way. Our motto is four and no more. That, that's our motto. And then there are people like, well, why did you have four? Don't you know what causes that? And I was like, yeah, she can't stop. She loves me. But, but that's a separate. Anyway, I'm so sorry. <laughs> C3 kids, parents, if your kids are in this room, they should be in C3 kids. That's part of the reason we have that. We get real honest in here. But, but on that night, on that night, I did the only thing I could do, the only thing I was allowed to do. I only had one option. My father would only allow me to go to one place. And I took the option I had in the midst of a lot of disappointment in life and a lot of frustration that I created. And the only option turned out to be overwhelmingly the best option. Because that's what God does. Sometimes disappointment is an appointment. In 1995 or 96, there's a church in Texas in the, the city that I'm from looking for a pastor. And I wanted so badly to be that guy. We were living in North Carolina at the time, and I had it all figured out. I mean, I, I grew up in that town. I know how to reach these people. And, and so I was negotiating with God, trying to help God understand this is your best option. Like, this is the way this thing needs to roll because sometimes I think we can easily get confused, people that do what I do and think that we change lives instead of Jesus. And, and somehow we think we can help God out instead of in reality, God's always helping us out. And so I gave God all the reasons that I should become the pastor of that church and they didn't even give me a glance. And I was insanely disappointed. And it was just a couple years later I was asked by the pastor of the church I was attending, wasn't on staff, I was attending to be the associate pastor. I never planned to be the associate pastor of that church. And I never planned to later become the senior pastor of that church. 
And I never planned at that time to be the pastor of a church that would sell its campus and move into a movie theater. I never planned at that time. I never thought or saw into my future transitioning a church into a different kind of church. I never planned to pastor a portable church for almost 14 years. I never planned that God would not only provide a building like this that was already built out, but would furnish it as well through the incredible generosity of Summit Church. I never planned that. And as I, as I look back on my life, and I think maybe as you look back on your life, if you'll, if you'll recognize a different perspective, it's not been my plans that have brought into my life God's greatest gifts. It was God often changing my plans, sometimes through disappointing seasons, sometimes through struggle, sometimes through questions, to bring about His purpose. If I had gotten my plan, I would have missed God's greatest gift, Angie. If I had gotten my plan, I would have missed God's greatest gift, you. I would have pastored some little church in Texas that, by the way, now has about 20 people coming and doesn't even meet in their auditorium anymore. Years ago, that church had over $300,000 in the bank, and my dad saw what we were doing in the life of C3, connecting communities with Christ and the investments we would make and the ways that we would help people and how we're trying to benefit the community. And he went to a deacon's meeting. If you don't know what deacons are, you're blessed. Don't worry about it. But he went to a deacon's meeting. And he sat down, and those were the people that ran that church, which is not even biblical, but he sat down and he said, hey, guys, we got $300,000 in the bank. We should do something to help the community. Let's take forty dollars or $50,000, and let's buy gas cards and pass them out, or let's, let's go to the homeless area and provide meals. And the deacons voted not to do it because we'll need those funds for a rainy day. Hurricane Harvey wiped out that church, and they didn't have enough funds for the rainy day. I believe because they didn't invest in people instead of their plans and didn't care for the community and spent time trying to build an empire than to create a movement that would build bridges into people's lives and help build people's lives. And I could have been stuck in that and missed you and missed what God's doing. As you look at your life, you may be living in disappointment. You may be struggling right now with what God's allowed But sometimes disappointment is an appointment, and God's not finished yet. Sometimes God is working beyond what we can see in the moment. Mary and Joseph are told they have to travel for the census. It's a 90-mile trip. Joe, who's a carpenter, real story, real people, is going to miss two weeks of work to take this trip when he's got a baby on on the way and a wedding coming in his future. They have to travel through the Judean desert and they have to go through the valley of the Jordan River and that forest was known for being full of thieves and pirates. There were common tragedies that took place, even with wild animals. And everywhere Mary and Joe look, there's terror. They get to the hotel and there's no room in the inn. You know the story. There's no room in the inn. So they find not an HGTV barn dominium, but a barn, a cave, nothing fancy about it, no good smelly stuff, just cow manure and a barn. And the Son of God is born in a cave. Mary, who said yes to what God asked, has been through so many disappointments, now is giving birth in a cave. And before they can go home and even decorate the nursery, they find out a king wants to kill their child. 
And the announcement that breaks the silence is peace on earth. This, this feels like hell on earth. The announcement to you and the announcement to me in this season is peace on earth. But what if you're living hell on earth? It's not what they had planned. And then Mary, 33 years later, stands looking at a cross. And the one who, as a 14-year-old girl, said yes to what God asked of her, is now looking at her son being brutally murdered. A son who's never sinned one time. A son who has never been disrespectful. A son who has never said anything hurtful. A son who was the perfect brother and the ideal son. And while creation is mocking and Mary standing there, the one who said yes to what God asked, is having to watch not only her son be brutally murdered, but him being mocked by the masses, hears him say, Father, forgive them. And that phrase is shocking. How could, how could anyone ask for God to forgive what they're doing to Jesus? But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And I think the one person who was not surprised when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, was Mary. She knew him. She knew his character. She knew how he dealt with adversity. She saw him respond as a kid when he was picked on. She saw him make the decisions he made as a growing teenage boy. And as a man, she has listened not only to his teaching, but she has saw, seen how he's lived. And Father, forgive them. Coming from his mouth, anyone else unbelievable, but his mouth... She has no problem believing it. And then she hears him say, to tell us die. It is finished. It is paid for in full. And the mother of Jesus, who said yes to what God asked, watched her son die. I can't think of anything more disappointing, anything more devastating. But in that moment, she didn't know the purpose. The purpose of that horrific moment. No matter how big the disappointment she felt, in God's plan and God's purpose, her son became her savior. Her son rescued her forever. Her son becomes our savior. I can trust God even when I don't understand life. And sometimes disappointment is an appointment. And if you're walking through disappointment, this morning is simply a holy God, the one who invites you to call him Father, whispering to you, I know. I'm not done. I'm working even though you can't see it.